0: men. Turn your Bibles to Proverbs sixteen nine. 9. Proverbs 16, 9. I'll, Our text, I'll be reading from the contemporary English version, and then uh, almost all of our scriptures thereafter will be in the new King James version of the Bible. Amen. I want to speak to the graduates, but I don't want to speak just to the graduates. Because, and, and they might not know this yet, but this is a uh, it's not the only graduation they're going to have in life. I was very impressed with all of their plans, all of them to go on to college and further their education, and they're a smart group. They're a good-looking group. These are some good-looking uh, seniors, even the boys good-looking, which is hard to pull off, but uh, not quite where the girls are, but, but they're, they're intelligent, smart. We're proud of them. Uh, But I'm not just talking about your college graduation for your associates or bachelor's or master's or however far you go. We've got several uh, people in this church that after they were adults and thought they were through with college are still working on college or or have, have continued to go, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about that there are a lot of levels in life that you graduate from one level to another, and there are degrees of spirituality and that's what graduation is it is the it is the completion of a degree and it is the grabbing on to the next degree and how many of those there's a lot of degrees in life so it's going to be not just for you it's going to be for all of us because we're all still students of of life and students of the Lord Proverbs 16 9 says we make our own plans but the Lord decides where we will go. I want to speak to us on the subject today, going my way. Father, in Jesus' name, we're asking that the Holy Ghost of God, Lord, would superintend this message today that, that we can hear from you, uh, not just that that would, uh, Lord, perhaps uh, educate our minds or excite our emotions, but that that would get down in our wheel, down in our spirit, make a difference in the way we live, In Jesus' name, amen. I still remember my graduation day. I remember it like it was 32 years ago. (laughs) Because that's how long it was. In our graduating class in 1987, we had great luminaries in our class. Many of whom were my dear friends right out of this church. And many of their parents are here today. Patrick Wooten was in that class. Melody Thomas was in that class. Carissa Fox was in that class. Derek Levins was in that class. Mark McDaniel was in that class. We had some others that that married a little early that were connected to this church and, and left town after they got married, but they were in that class as well. And on and on the list goes. The day after I graduated from high school, Got up early that next morning and went to Atlanta. My parents took me to Atlanta, and I flew out to uh, Wyoming, and uh, was part spent two weeks out there as part of a evangelistic team. I wasn't the evangelist; I was just part of the team. A youth mission trip for two weeks out in Wyoming. Had, had up to that point had never had never flown in a big jet before. We got out there and got settled in, and it was June, and we got settled in. It was about 10 o'clock their time, about one our time, and it started hailing golf ball size hail, and it stopped up all of the sewers in the road, and and all of the houses had basements, and the water started coming up through the basement, coming up out of the toilet. On each side of us, those people got about two feet of water Two or three feet of water in their basement so the next day we went over to help those people that had their um, basement flooded and uh, we formed a, a uh, fire brigade so that we got down there with five gallon buckets and scooped up water and passed it up you know up on up the stairs and they just poured it outside and so there I was in Wyoming a new place I'm, I'm uh, about five deep in uh, sewer water and I'm scooping up five gallon buckets of, of, uh, of water and passing it up the fire brigade. And my mind went back to good old Saint over at the Fails Church of God a prophecy of Prophecy, a song she used to sing. So I started singing, I've been wading through deep water trying to get home. And I learned the glory of ministry right there. Commencement is a word that is used in a way that is confusing to us. In fact, We use the word commencement as a ceremony in which degrees or diplomas are conferred on graduating students. And most of the emphasis, it seems, on a commencement exercise has to do with the completion of something. It's completing a degree. It's completing a course of study. The strange thing is is that's not what the word means. The word does not mean the completion of anything. The word means a beginning of something. To commence means to start. To commence means to begin. To have a starting point, an outset, an onset, a launch, an initiation, an inception, a birth, a dawn. That's what commencement means. So I want you guys to understand that you're just getting started. Life is not over. Now, I jokingly said to somebody this morning, I said, after I graduated high school, I think I said to Zena, I said, that's when my problems just started. But actually, that's not true. That's when life started getting good for me. It's whenever I graduated high school. First of all, we were all surprised. And and second of all, I mean, you get to make a lot of your own decisions. There are responsibilities, but life started getting good. And I want you to know if you're starting a journey, that there are some rules for the journey that not only do you guys need to hear, but all of us need to hear. And these are universal rules at any stage of life any degree that we've reached, any uh, journey that we're going to commence. First of all, and I think this is important, it's important to follow your heart. It is important to follow your heart. Now, I know that sounds simplistic, but I want you to understand that both by nature, the way God just created you, and listen, our personalities, our own personalities, are a unique gift from God so that you have people that are born into a family that's full of introverts and they can be an extrovert. They didn't learn it from from nurture. They didn't get it from their environment. It's just the way they're made. Our personalities, our temperaments are a gift from God. And the things that we like, the proclivities that we have, the, the talents, the abilities that we have are gifts from God. And then there's also the environment, the nurture, how we were brought up. The bad and the good things that happened to us have shaped us into the person that we are. So God has made us very unique, not only in the way he created us, but in the way he's allowed life to shape us. And because of that, we have certain things in our our heart, in our mind, our desires, our will. We've got things that we want to accomplish, things that we want to do. And those are, are, are often good things. Now, obviously, if our desire is for something that is wicked, something that is evil, something that's ungodly, obviously, we don't need to follow that. The Scripture says there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. So when we say follow your heart, we're talking about a heart that's been surrendered to God, dedicated to God, that has Jesus on the throne of the heart. But I read it to you in the... Uh, Contemporary English version. Let me read the New King James Version. Proverbs 6, 9. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. That it's okay for you to have dreams. It's okay for you to have ambitions. It's a good thing for you to have a plan. But understand that when you give yourself over to the Lord, the Lord allows your heart to direct your plan, to have a dream, to have an idea, to have a vision, But somehow or another, the Lord gets involved in that and puts his hand over on our plans and directs our steps. So we make our own plans, but the Lord decides where we would go. In fact, Psalm 37, 4 and 5, listen to this. This is a great promise. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. That when we, we can trust our heart to follow our heart, When the desire of our heart, our priority is to love the Lord, know the Lord, please the Lord. If that's what our heart is, then we can trust the dreams that the Lord speaks into our heart. Trust, delight in the Lord, and He'll give you the desire of your heart. The next verse, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. So follow your heart. Make your plans, but trust in the Lord. Because there's going to be some setbacks. There's going to be some uncertainty. There's going to be some unplanned circumstances. That's the way of life. There's going to be some detours. That's just the way of life. God's not picking on you. God, the Life's not taking it out on you. It's not a great conspiracy against you. Just living in this world, a fallen world, there are going to be some circumstances, some setbacks. But just stay at it. Keep at it. And trust the Lord. Make your plans. But trust the Lord to direct your steps. That brings me to my mother's favorite verse of Scripture. And I'm so glad that she wrote that verse of Scripture uh, in their Bibles today. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. So I make my plans but then I also trust in the Lord. And I acknowledge Him in all my ways. Now, I can't say I'm trusting in the Lord and then go do my own thing. I have to acknowledge Him in everything I do. So the plans I make, the decisions I make, I check with Him. I check with His Word. I allow His Holy Spirit to speak to me. But if I'll trust in the Lord and in every way acknowledge Him, bow to Him, then He will direct my paths. Now, I knew a a young lady that was not much older than you, she was about 19 years old, she'd already been through her first year of college and she had gotten miserable in life and she had, she had a general plan for what she wanted to do in life but she, she had really gotten discouraged and down and uncertain and she felt the Lord drawing her and she cried out to the Lord and she prayed, okay now Lord, I'm giving my life totally over to you any direction you want to take it, whatever you want to do, I'm surrendering to you, and I want you to take absolute charge of my life. She had known the Lord, she was a Christian, but she just she, she knew that she was not in the Lord's will and she was seeking God's will. And two weeks later, Crystal met me. <laughs> Maybe it'll work out better for you. <laughs> But you ask the Lord to direct your uh, your steps. I I almost uh, brought a a blindfold today and blindfolded y'all. And I thought about a blindfold. If somebody broke into your house and blindfolded you and started taking you somewhere, there would be a lot of fear and anxiety about what they were going to do. You know, they blindfold people before they line them up, you know, in the firing squad. However, if your mom or your dad or your boyfriend or girlfriend, if they were were to come to you and say, I've got a surprise for you, and they put a blindfold on you, and it's your birthday, and they start leading you around, you're still a little bit uncertain. You still need them to hold your hand so you don't bump into anything, but there's there's an anticipation that they're doing this so they can have a surprise for me. And the future is uncertain. And we can approach the future feeling like we're blindfolded and the future's taking us somewhere and we don't know where it's gonna go. And we're uncertain and we're fearful and we're scared. Or we can say, No, I don't know the future, but my Heavenly Father has a surprise waiting on me. And even though I don't see it now, I can't wait to see where he's leading me. If I trust in the Lord with all of my heart and I don't lead to my own understanding, he's going to guide me and direct my paths and take me to the right place. In fact, Psalm 37, 23, 24, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. And though he fall, and we're gonna fall, we're gonna stumble, but though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Also, if we want to have God's will and we want to be successful in our journey, we've got to stay in God's Word. Not only do we have to get in God's Word, we have to let God's Word get into us. Psalm 119, 105, we all know this one. Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I remember reading of a lady who was uncertain about the, some things in her life and she went to a, a theater to watch a play. And when she got in that dark theater, she noticed that up in the balcony there was a huge spotlight that was shining down right onto the stage. And she said, Oh Lord, if you could show me your will for my life like that spotlight, just shine down on the end of the journey and let me know where I'm supposed to go. And in that very moment, the usher in the theater came up to her and took her by the arm and shined down at her feet his flashlight so that every step she took was illuminated till he led her to her seat. And the Lord spoke to her and said, listen, my word's a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. You're not going to see a spotlight, how it's going to come out, how the journey's going to end, but I am going to give you light for every step that you take. How many believes that? Say, praise the Lord. And then you need to follow the Lord's lead. He will lead us. You know Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leadeth me. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I can trust him because he's leading the way. One of my favorite examples of that is the missionary that was down in the South American jungle. And he was following his jungle guide. And the jungle guide, you know, had the machete and he was just chopping his way through. And he would walk a 100 or 200 yards this way, chopping a path through. The missionary, he didn't see a rabbit trail. He didn't see a deer track. He didn't see any path whatsoever. There were no roads. But all of a sudden, the guide would stop and look up, and he'd, he'd look around, and he would take a quarter turn over to the right, and they would go, I don't know, you know, five 600 yards that way, and then all of a sudden, he would stop and look around, and he would turn back a little bit to his left, and this went on for an hour. And finally... Not seeing him check a compass, not seeing him check a map, not seeing any road. The missionary asked the guide, he said, look, you don't have a map. I don't know where in the world you're going. How do you know the way? And to, to that, that guide thumbed his chest and he said, I am the way. Jesus said to his disciples, don't let your heart be troubled. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If I can follow him. Now, here's the thing about it. Psalm 32 and 38 says, I will instruct you. I will teach you in the way that you should go. I will guide you with my eye. I'm glad to know that there's things in my future that I can't see. but that doesn't mean God can't see it. You know, you know that God has a drawn-eye view of, of the path, right? God sees where he's going. He knows where He's taking us. Another thing that we should realize and follow as a rule in this journey is don't go alone. Don't go by yourself. Don't go alone. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. If you work together, you're going to get more done. Verse 10, for if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe unto him who's alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Verse 11, again, if two lie down together, they'll keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? They're out exposed in the elements. So they'd sleep close together so that they could share body warmth. Verse 12, the, though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. If you're going on a trip, you don't want to travel alone. Listen, what's got you to this destination you're in today it's because you had a lot of people walking with you. You had a lot of people going on that journey with you. And in this journey that you're commencing today, and this is true for every one of us, don't go by yourself. And it's good to have another man or another person to go along with you, but I'm going to tell you there's no better traveling companion than the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the one I want to go with me. In fact, Moses, when they were when they were trying to go out of Egypt, through the wilderness, into the promised land, and the people were just mumbling and grumbling and complaining, and, and finally the Lord said, Well, I'll let you go in, but I'm, I'm through leading you. And Moses said, Well, I'm going to tell you, if you're going to stop leading us, I'm going to stop following. If you're not going to go with us, I don't want to go. The only way I'm going to go, Lord, is if you go with us. Now, Amos 3.3 says... Can two walk together unless they're agreed? And I will tell you this, that if we're going to follow the Lord's plan for our life, and again, our text scripture, make your plans, follow your heart, but then trust the Lord. There will come times in life that there will be a fork in the road and we want to go to one direction and the Lord says go to another direction. And here's the way the Lord is. The Lord will allow you to choose which direction you're going to go. But if you want him to go with you, you're going to have to let him take the lead. And then, not only do we follow all those rules, but this is pretty simple. A rule for the journey. Of go. Don't just talk about it. Don't just plan about it. Don't just think about it. Don't just boast about it. Don't just read about it. Don't just Google it. Don't just look out up your phone about it. Actually do it. You know, Nike, just... Do it. There are many people in our, in our society that have a failure to launch. You know Believe it or not, when I was born, man had not even landed on the moon when I was born. It took them about a month and a half after I was born to do that. Well, grew up in a space age, and I can imagine out on the, on the launch pad, you know, the clock ticking down, and them, and them saying five, three, two, one, and then just as it gets to zero, NASA's saying, you know, Houston, we have a problem. Scratch it. And there are so many people in their personal lives and in their spiritual lives get right down to the moment of launching. And have a failure to launch. Fear or uncertainty or lack of faith or lack of confidence or lack of direction. And they call the whole thing off. But God's command to us is to go. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And that's why I called this message, Going My Way. If I want the Lord to go with me, if I want somebody to pick me up, When I fall, if I want somebody to fight with me when I fall into enemy territory, if I want somebody to keep me warm on those cold, lonely nights, if I want the advantages of having Jesus go with me, then I've got to go the direction He's going. And here's the direction He's going though He wants to see you succeed in your career, He does, He delights in good things. When Cameron and Katie come home and, you know, they've made a hundred and thirty seven you know on a test or whatever it is they get I don't I I didn't think you could do better than a hundred but they somehow pull that out they get their looks after me and their brains after their mama but but when they do that it goes up on the refrigerator and I'm going to tell you when God looked down and see you guys graduate he loves you and he's proud of you he took one of Lexi's pictures Out of the few that she has, (laughs) and put it up on the refrigerator. He's got Braden's picture there, Zenon's picture there. He even knows how to spell your name, Zenon. (laughs) So God's proud when His children do good things. But God is after more than just you having personal accomplishments. It doesn't matter if you're a doctor or a lawyer. Or a postmaster, or a teacher, or a bus driver, uh, or a custodian, or a businessman, or a politician, or a preacher. For those that the Lord has saved, He's got the same goal in mind for all of us. And that is wherever He has placed us In society, he wants us to use that as a mission field to tell others about his love and to see others saved. So if I want the Lord, the promise that he said, go and I will go with you. I'll go with you all the way. I love the way the King James says it, to the end of the world because there's going to be some heartache and some mistakes and some problems that are going to happen in life that it's not the end of the world, but it's going to seem like it. It's going to seem like the end of the world, and he promised, I'll go with you even to the end of the world. But he says, if I'm going to go with you even to the end of the world, I'm going with you as you go, in my name, making disciples, and teaching people about the gospel and the good news. Well, we come down to what I think might... Could be called the graduation day for the disciples. Jesus had handpicked his apostles. He'd called them by name. He had spent three years of them hearing him teach, of them, um, some of them even had small group work. He'd called three of them aside and teach them special things. And then they would uh, watched him in action. They saw him as he open blinded eyes and and unstopped deaf ears and made the lame to walk and called the dead back to life again and then after he rose from the dead he spent 40 more days with them in a cram session of just pumping them full of everything that they didn't know about the kingdom of God and then they come we celebrated it last Sunday they go to the Mount of Olives, and Jesus is about to ascend back to heaven. And now it's time for graduation. And he said to them, you're going to receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And it's going to be authority, power, for you to be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. He said this in John 14, 16 through 18. I will pray the Father and he'll give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and he shall be in you. So when we talk about Jesus going along with us on the journey, we're not just talking about him being with us. We're talking about him being in us through the power of the Spirit. Because the next verse, verse 18, he said, I won't leave you orphans. I will come to you. The abiding presence of the Spirit of God is the presence of Christ in the life of the believer. So he said, I'm going to come to you. So he says, I want you to go, 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 go. And I'll go with you. All power has been given to me in heaven and in earth. And I want you to go. But then he says this, but before you go, wait. 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 Wait till you receive the promise of the Father. Wait until you're baptized in His Spirit. A lot of people don't understand about being baptized in their spirit. They say, well, I don't understand. Is the Holy Ghost in me or am I in the Holy Ghost? To be baptized means to be immersed into something. And when I was baptized in water, they put me in the water. So am I baptized in the Holy Ghost or Do I need to be filled with the Holy Ghost where I'm I'm full of the Holy Ghost? Which is it? Well, somebody said it this way. Take a sponge and put it down in a bucket of water. Is the water in the sponge or is the sponge in the water? Yes. (laughs) And so however you want to say it, what God's saying is I want my presence to so fill you That I'm in you, I'm around you, I'm above you, I'm beneath you, I'm I'm flowing on you, I'm flowing from you, I'm flowing into you, I'm flowing out of you. I will go with you. Now, I'm doing in life what I've always wanted to do. I've got, I've got some good friends in town. One of the, the last uh, um, class reunions that we attended, I, was, I knew I was in the right place because everybody that the DJ played is dead. So I knew I was in the right crowd. But he got up and he, he asked me to say the opening prayer. And he said, you know, Britt's only one of the, only one of the two people I know that always knew what they want to do do and, and did it but I knew from from 12 years old the lord called me to, to preach the gospel now he knew it before then he just let me in on it at 12 but at, at five and six at three I was going around with a little new Testament going that that Preach better at three than I do now. It required an interpretation, but it was still good preaching. And then about five or six, I was putting on old suits and calling, calling the neighbors' kids into the back porch. Had one that was one year older than me, one that was one year younger than me. Glenn and Oscar Woodard was their name, but they called each other Bubba and Duty. And if you've ever met a Bubba and Duty, tear a Bubba and Duty and I'd preach to them. Why did I did that? Why did I do that? Because God had put that in me. So all through school everybody called me preacher. And when I graduated high school and walked across the stage, my brother Travis was standing there to take a picture of me. And it made him mad because when I walked across the stage, he heard somebody say, "Well, there's the preacher." And Travis's first response is to beat somebody up. And so it made him mad. And then he said, wait a second, what am I getting mad about? But I can tell you, even though I'm doing what I always knew I was supposed to do, I'm telling you that even living your dream can get lonely can get uncertain you can have self-doubts you're going to experience defeats you're going to have times that you have uncertainty and it's not that I'm doing what I always knew I ought to do that keeps me going what keeps me going is that I have the presence and power of God In my heart, in my life, and a song that we used to sing when I was just a little boy, I have somebody with me to share my heavy load. I feel his presence near me every day. And although trouble may overtake me along life's dreary road, I have somebody with me all the way. I'm going to ask you to stand all over the building. We're going to give a general altar call and then we're going to end the service with me play, praying specifically with these guys. The day of Pentecost, which we celebrate today, is not a day about the sound of a rushing mighty wind. It's not a day about fiery tongues that set on each other. It's not even a day about those 120 disciples miraculously speaking in tongues that they did not know and people from around the world hearing them speak. All of that was there. All of that was present. All of that was part of it. But that's not what the day was about. What the day was about is the Lord saying, you've graduated. You've graduated and I'm telling you to commence. Go out and get it. Go out and take it. But before you go, you make sure that I'm with you. You wait until you're sure that I am with you. And if I'm with you and I'm in you and I'm working through you through the power of the Holy Ghost of God, then you can go wherever you want to go And I will make sure that you will live long and prosper through the power of the Holy Ghost. Would you close your eyes? First of all, there are folks here today that you're walking along a a dreary road and you don't have the Lord with you because you're not a Christian. You've never accepted Him you're tired of walking all along and you're wanting the Lord to be with you and you need to be saved today would you lift your hand come on just say I need Jesus I need to be saved praise God thank the Lord thank the Lord for these two when I give this altar service I want you to come I see you and I'm going to pray with you specifically and then there are those here that said you know I used to walk with Jesus but somewhere along the line I took a wrong turn And I want to get back on the right road and I want to walk with him. If that's you, lift your hand. And then how many with your pastor will say, you know what, I'm walking along the right road in life, but boy, I sure need to know that he's with me. I I need to sense and feel his presence. I, I I need him to guide me in an active way. Come on, if that's you, say, I want to be full of the Spirit of God. I want to ask everybody in this building that possibly can to make your way to this altar and remain up here after you get through praying because I'm going to ask the the graduates to just come right here and stand in the very front because the last thing we're going to do, I'm going to lay hands on you and pray over you individually. So you guys come and just stand facing me. But from all over this building, would you come? We're going to have a time of prayer. After we're dismissed, we're going to have some cake and some refreshments back in the back. But this is why we're here today. Come on, from all over the building. Come on. And one of the reasons I'm asking you to come, even if you uh, don't feel you have a need to pray, I want you to be up here to support these graduates when we pray for them from all over the building. Come on.